Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, fitness enthusiasts. Welcome back to another episode of the Redefining Fitness Podcast with SAS Factor Fitness. I'm your host, Sin Sass, a former competitive athlete turned fitness enthusiast and first responder, and I invite you to join me on a journey to rediscover and become our most authentic fit self. Here, you can explore new ways to reduce chronic pain, increase energy and strength, and improve your overall well-being so you can feel and look your best inside and out. Now, last week, we dove into the idea that movement matters. Even if it's broken up into smaller sessions over the course of the day, our bodies understand that we're moving and will accept cumulative effect. It won't ignore workout or a movement session just because it was less than an hour or because it wasn't at the gym working specific body parts in the way that we've been conditioned to believe. We've been conditioned to believe that most exercises must occur. Instead, it recognizes that any movement and progressive loads that occur above what you regularly do, it recognizes. So anything extra that you're doing. And the same is true of what we eat. The body recognizes the cumulative effect over the course of the day and the week, and it looks for ways to use what we eat to fuel our bodies based on how we're moving or, you know, not moving, as the case may be, and is dependent on the quality of that fuel. So the key is to consume the foods that we love that love us back and fuel our bodies in the way that we need. Because the flip side is, is that we don't pay attention to what we consume and we become addicted to foods based on the food industry's profit goals. So in case you were unaware, that's a trillion dollar industry, a trillion dollar industry that spends much of its efforts on creating foods at a bliss point. They've coined that term, a bliss point, which means that basically it's designed to taste good. It's designed that way. So they make it so that our taste buds fire off and then it triggers the brain to respond in the same way that the brain responds to opioids and stimulants. So it releases hormones that keep us feeling like we want and need, that we need to consume more of what they're selling. So we're going to talk about that today, and I can't wait to get into it and develop some tools to avoid the food trigger trap. So let's dive in. Now, when we start talking about diet, a lot of times the first place that we go is to counting calories and macros, meaning, you know, grams of protein, carbohydrates, fats. And there's some good information there, and it's a good place to start. We're talking about making small changes, changes that are easy to make, that don't materially upset our busy, 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 busy lives, and it doesn't upset our emotional and physiological set points. We already know that we're at capacity, and we don't want to do stuff that's going to derail us. So we want to make some little changes that seem almost imperceptible, so they're easier to make and maintain in the beginning. You know, as we're building our physical, mental, and emotional strength around multiple health components all at once. But macro and calorie counting and portion size is only one way, it's one way to look at the food consumption issue. And sometimes it can be a focal point. We get really caught up counting macros and counting calories and all of that. And again, it's good information if you're starting out and you're trying to get a handle on stuff. It's good information if you're trying to work on a specific thing, you're at an a, a, you're at an, a level already where you're trying to build muscle, you're trying to reduce your fat, you're really trying to change your body composition in a way that 
It entails you looking at your macros a little differently. But for most of us that are here right now, we're talking about getting started. And the real issue that we want to look at is making sure we have things under control and that we're looking at our relationship to what it is that we're eating. Things that we have addictions to, where we feel like we have certain cravings and we're addicted to a food, we can't cut it out. We can't reduce it. We have some 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 problems around um, taking care of and addressing that particular issue. And a lot of times that's because we have emotional attachments to certain foods. And when we are focusing on you know macronutrient uh, counting, when we're looking at calorie counting, when we're looking at all of that, emotional attachments and addictions to certain foods can get lost in the sauce. And it can be really hard to change behavior around foods that you gravitate towards for emotional and sentimental reasons. And that may sound weird, maybe it doesn't, but the truth is that addiction to foods, that thing that makes it so hard to change behavior around what we're eating is usually based on two things, how the food industry manipulates food to trigger cravings and the physiological response we experience due to emotions we formed from over time around certain foods. So one way around that whole issue is to eat whole foods as much as possible. Those are foods that have one ingredient, like apple or fish. And the reason I'm talking about this is because I I learned something. Around the time when the organic movement was kind of just hitting the scene, there was this push somewhere around in the mid-2000s for this term. It was used a lot. It's called JERF, J-E-R-F. And they put it out there because they wanted people to remember to just eat real foods. And the reason for that is that jerfing helped with satisfying hunger and it helped with getting nutritional value and bulk, you know, fiber to keep your gut health moving along, you know, well, because that's very important. A lot of us are having gut health issues these days. You know, things aren't moving quite the way that they want. And jerfing helped us to do those things. And it also prevented us from succumbing to the manipulation that we see that happens when we eat highly processed foods. So eating organic tends to provide a better quality food product than conventional. And local farms where the animals and the produce are grown and raised uh, in conditions that are as close to how they would naturally occur in nature, it's kind of a great way to, to really take care of our bodies. And it has an amazing environmental advantage as well. The point that I'm trying to make here is maybe what we wanted to start looking at is adjusting to consume foods that are are as close to how they occur in nature can have a huge impact. Now, you don't have to cut out the food you love, right? Maybe you just have to eat it in the way that nature intended. And that food that maybe hasn't been loving you back might start loving you back. This was my path. This is what I did and what happened with me around 2013. And after making some changes in my choices, the food tastes better. I ate less of it. I rarely had true cravings. I instantly lost some weight, like 10 pounds, bloat disappeared, my skin got clearer and softer, and a host of a lot of other physiological changes occurred. And what I didn't realize is that 10 years earlier, the food industry had been making changes that we didn't know anything about. But at that time, I found myself not really liking food much, which was weird for me. You know, I felt like I didn't really like the taste of food. 
And I had no idea it was happening. Now, years later, we would all learn what the problem was. But around that time, I stopped eating fast food burgers. Actually, anything that um, had ground beef in it, because it actually kind of tasted disgusting to me. Years later, we learned that E. coli was part of the culprit. E. coli is the creation of a combination of a few things. Housing cows in horrific conditions, feeding them grain, which is a diet that they're not intended to eat, that created a bacteria in their gut and made them sick. And then when you coupled that with poor slaughter practices, which allowed that gut bacteria to get from the gut and the bowel and into the meat that we ate, and then it made us sick, right? Unless we burnt the crap out of the beef, right? Unless we really, really cooked that beef all the way through, we got sick. So around that time, E. coli actually was coming a really deadly issue because people were undercooking food because if you didn't cook it enough, you couldn't kill the E. coli. We didn't talk about the fact that E. coli was new and it was created by what the industry was doing with the cattle. And at the same time, many franchise companies began using fillers made of all kinds of weird substances that they mixed in the meat to make it like stretch out and last longer so that they can feed it to more people. Pink slime, anyone? We remember this when a major franchise got caught putting this pink slime in, in, the, in the meat that they were serving us. Businesses were engaging in these practices all of the time and they didn't have to tell us and we were eating those foods. So when they got outed, eventually, they stopped a lot of those practices. But for decades, we ate that stuff. And the manufacturers didn't have to disclose what they're doing. And you know what? The food industry hasn't stopped. They've just found new ways to mess with the food that we're buying from them and then eating. Just to give you an idea, the processed food industry is a trillion-dollar industry. It's a trillion-dollar industry using chemicals to create smells, tastes, and colors to manipulate our brains into liking and wanting more of specific food items. In fact, they have this thing called the bliss point that they're working to create in these foods. And the bliss point is a man-made creation. It's a specific combination of fat, sugar, and salt that's contained in a specific food that at one time tastes good and triggers the brain to want more. So it triggers the brain in the same way that drugs like cocaine and opium trigger the brain and with the same addictive life properties. And that's no accident. The food industry has spent billions of dollars trying to create a bliss point in all of its processed foods, which is why that ad line, you can't only eat just one, is so true. And speaking of advertising, in 2021, the overall food industry spent $2.5 billion advertising these foods. And there's no regulations requiring manufacturers to disclose all the chemicals that they're using in these concoctions. They're allowed to be housed under the umbrella of natural and artificial food flavors. But we don't know what's natural and what's not, and how much of it is included in the food that we're eating. But guess what? Our body does. Our brain does. And once the brain gets it, once the brain, we eat it, and the brain gets a hit of it, it demands that you give it more, which is what the manufacturers want. They want it to increase their profit.
And it causes your body to unwittingly use this stuff to signal you to overeat in a sitting and to desire more overall meals. And since many of these chemicals are hidden in foods that we wouldn't even think about, like putting chemical vanilla in chocolate, we end up craving more of that chocolate because our brain, your brain wants the hit it gets from that added chemical vanilla. These manipulations are most often found in, guess what? Highly processed foods and unfortunately, cheaper versions of food. That's what happens. That's, what, that's what's going on out here. So why you're trying up here with all of your might to control your eating, to control what foods you eat, you can't figure out why you're wanting these certain types of foods, you're thinking that it's about you and you just don't have the right level of commitment or whatever it is that you're thinking is about you, it's really about the fact that the food that you've been eating has been designed, has been designed to make you feel that way and to make it harder for you to put it down and to make it harder for you not to pick it up in the first place. So the one caveat is often when we pay more for better quality food, we're going to eat less of it because the manipulations aren't occurring in that food and our brain is satisfied with less and we actually get more nutrients in our body and you don't have all these other wackadoodle things going on in your body because you're not eating all of this other stuff that humans, that the food industry has started to include into our food. So you might end up paying more on the front end, but you're going to pay less on the back end. And with cheaper versions of food, you often pay less on the front end, but you pay more on the back end. You pay more in frequent purchases because you're eating more of it, and you're paying more in the costs that are associated with the subsequent health issues that you have to deal with, like hypertension and diabetes and gut issues and cardiac issues and obesity and so on that need to be addressed oftentimes with expensive medications later after we've been trying to save a couple of dollars on the front end. And besides all of that, our emotional responses to food play a huge role in our eating behavior. So we're already fighting all of these other things. And then we have to think about the emotional responses that we have that, that center around our food. So for instance, if you grew up eating a sweet snack for celebration or when you were sad, then there's an emotional trigger that's probably attached to the way your body receives that particular food item. So think about a food, think about a go-to food item or food combination that you have an overwhelming desire to eat when you experience an extreme emotion on one side of the the other, like elation after a bit, big win, you know, your first home purchase, winning an award or a promotion, meeting that new man or woman in your life, something like that. Or on the flip side, something sad, like losing that promotion, you know, having to move when you didn't want to, uh, a bad breakup, any other kinds of losses. We often celebrate or drown our sorrows in food uh, and a specific food at that. If you think about it, while you were growing up, there's probably a food that you were given for comfort in those times. You know, you ever had a big achievement and you went out for sweets or a decadent family with your dinner? Hello, ice cream or pizza party for the kids sports championship, anyone? Remember that? Are you doing it right now with your own kids? Or maybe, maybe when you were sad, mom cooked your favorite meal or gave you a cookie and milk or a scoop of ice cream. And again, maybe you're doing that with your kids right now, but you get the picture. We form emotional attachments to foods 
under the circumstances, it changes how we experience eating them. And that that experience, is it, it makes it harder to make a different choice in the moment later down the road in our lives. Because now, in addition to fighting all of the things that have been created in foods to make it hard for us, we're fighting physiological responses the food creates in our bodies based on emotion formed years ago, often in childhood, and intentionally created chemical reactions from ingredients in foods designed by the food industry to keep us craving those foods. So how do we address this? Small changes. We're talking about making change in already busy lives, max to capacity, fighting deeply ingrained emotional cues, and chemical manipulation in foods that trigger addiction-like behaviors in us. The last thing we want to do is set ourselves up for failure by trying to make sweeping changes, which a lot of times we tend to try to do, right? We, we decide, I'm going to eat healthier, and I'm not going to eat XYZ food that we have an emotional attachment to that has been designed to trigger us to want to eat it and not put it down. And the fact that we're stressed out and busy and maxed out at capacity and are barely finding time to create our healthy foods in the first place. Why would we set ourselves up like that to make that sweeping change that we're probably not going to be able to sustain? Now, some of you might argue that it's possible to make those sweeping changes and you want to make your change fast and you want to go ahead and, 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 and start seeing that weight loss, that muscle gain, that energy you know, boost. You want to start seeing that as quickly as possible. And honestly, you know, it is possible for people to do that. It's just extremely difficult and it's usually highly unsustainable. But let me tell you, if that works for you, by all means, do what works for you. Do that. However, if you're here, I'm guessing you've tried that sweeping change before. You've tried that method and it didn't work or it worked for a short time, but it wasn't sustainable over a long period. And there's no shame in that because the overwhelming majority of people are unable to make sweeping changes and succeed. I know I haven't and most of the people I know haven't and most of the people that I've worked with haven't been able to make those kinds of changes and keep them. What's more attainable and sustainable is again, starting with small changes that you can build upon over time. The same way you stack progressive overload to make strength gains, you, you can stack progressive consumption goals to make sustainable dietary change. So what does that look like? Especially if we're already battling food addictions and all these issues that I just talked about, because let's face it, most of us, including myself, are dealing with this stuff. What, what are we doing? What does that look like? Well, for starters, after you've done the portion sizes, you know, and, and put, put your stuff on a small plate and divided those macros up, start eating better versions of the food you love. So rather than cutting out whole food groups or items that you absolutely love, rather than cutting them out of your diet cold turkey, start by eating a better quality version of the food. Eat a better quality version of that. So if your go-to celebratory or sadness snack item is ice cream, then try ditching the conventional 20 to 30 ingredient, highly processed addictive brand for a brand that's ingredient list is like three to five items and include organic or non-GMO ingredients. Yes, ditching ice cream altogether is probably better, but is that realistic for you? And is that realistic right now? Are you going to do it? Because if not, Make the small change because we're talking starts here. We're talking starting small and building over time. 
Because when we start small like that and choose better quality of the same foods, a couple of things start to happen kind of like magic. You're actually more satiated with less of the food in question. And many times it tastes better. It actually tastes better. Now, it may not have the taste that you've become accustomed to that you're used to, but generally the taste profile is better. And interestingly enough, your body's going to crave less of it because it tastes good. It's giving better nutritional value while fulfilling that emotional attachment without the manipulative chemical trigger. It also gives you an opportunity to start creating new positive experiences associated with eating that particular food, which is something that can be built on over time and end in creating a healthier habit, which is the goal, right? This is what we're working towards. Um, you know, I know I'm, I feel like I might be beating the horse, but this is what we're working towards. Another benefit is since the better quality food has less chemicals and ingredients that will willy-nilly run amok wreaking havoc on the body, we will often experience less inflammation and thus, for those of us with chronic pain like me, less pain, which translates into feeling better and more energetic. Again, the, the reason why we're here, we can gain all of these benefits and you don't have to actually give up the food you like. You're just eating a better version of it and usually less of it. Now, this is considering you don't have some sort of allergy, you're not lactose intolerant or some other thing that is interfering with your ability to eat the foods that you desire. But if it's just you're having a negative response because of the quality of the food that you're eating or because of the manipulations that have been done to the food that you're eating, this is a way that you can start eating the foods that you like and they'll like you back. And this method can be used on all types of food we eat and consider bad. Burgers, fries, chips, cookies, cakes, pizza, pasta, the list goes on. Now, I have to stop here and say, this is not at all to say, eat anything you want, whenever you want, in any amount you want. We're talking about starting out. When we're trying to make small changes that we can keep up consistently and that we can build upon so that eventually maybe you're really not eating that food that you feel that you have that has a hold on you. You want to start small to start gently transitioning it out of your dietary choices. And again, this was partly my story many years back when I was noticing that the food taste of conventional food that was sold in the major chain stores where I shopped to get my produce, where I shopped to get my meat, where I shopped to get you know the even the processed foods that I ate. When I started making these kinds of small choices to the quality of the meat and the produce and even the processed foods that I purchased, I noticed so many positive changes in my body as a result. I was going for better taste and I found better nutrition and health value also. So some of you might be saying to yourself, well, that all sounds great and well and good. And you know what? I actually like organic food too. And I, and I like to have a higher quality of food, but I can't afford it. And I, I've heard that argument a lot. And oftentimes the argument that I hear is centered around the cost of beef. Usually that's what people use as their example. It, it might be something different with you. But in this example, people will tell me, well, the beef that I buy costs about $2 a pound, which translates into three pounds for six bucks. And for my family, that, that works. And, and I can eat that. I can't afford to spend $10 a pound on ground beef. I can't walk out of the store having spent $30 on, on beef. 
But here's the kicker. Here's the thing. I noticed that when I went to the higher quality meat, my body didn't crave it as much. I didn't eat as much of it, which also reduced my caloric intake. So what ended up happening is that if I were to make a burger, let's say, off of this higher quality beef, I can make a smaller burger. So I felt equally as satiated as if I made a quarter pound burger using the conventional beef. So I ate less of it. And actually at the end of the day, it came out costing me almost the same and sometimes even less over time. So the way I looked at it is that it might be a bigger break of my bank at the moment in the store, but at the end of the day, I didn't have to go back to the store as many times as I would have with the other food because I was running through that other food faster. I was ingesting more calories and it was just a negative snowball and it was going in the wrong direction. But like I said, when I changed it up, the snowball started to go towards me eating less, taking in less calories, getting better quality, eating, still eating the food that I liked and having my body composition change, having my strength and energy change and having my joint pain diminish. And to me, that was a snowball in the right direction. And I was eating the same foods that over time, it ended up costing me almost the same. So again, we're looking at small changes that we can make to start and to continue adjusting as we need that's appropriate as we move forward so that we can keep paring it down less and less and less if we're looking to cut things out. Moving forward, we have to think about the fact that the quality of the cut, the less processing of the food, how it's prepared, and the emotional experiencing we are creating around consuming it are all factors that we have to deal with and all factors we have to consider when we are making these types of changes. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to be surprised how big a difference these little changes can make over a relatively short amount of time, particularly in reducing inflammation in the body, in reducing joint pain, and improving digestive function, and in and improving energy levels. So look at your go-to food choices and identify one thing that you can change about how you're eating right now. Just one. Pick one for the first week. One thing that you can change about your eating. I challenge you to do this. It could be a better quality or it can be a reduction in one food item because some of us need to just flat out reduce foods that we consume. I'm not a soda drinker, but I know a lot of people like to drink soda. So I know some of you out there like to drink a lot of soda or have the high sugar, high caffeine, chemically manipulated energy drink. I know a lot of us, a lot of my shift workers out there, a lot of my first responders out there, we are over consuming these high sugar, high caffeine, chemically manipulated energy drinks. We're over consuming these things so that we can stay alert and awake while we're at work. So let's say if you have a soda at um, every meal, or you have these energy drinks two or three times a day because you're working 12-hour shifts or you're working in the middle of the night. For the soda drinkers, how about you cut out soda at two meals a day? And for energy drink, cut that to maybe once or twice a day to start out. Just do that. Try that. That's your only thing to be worried about is soda. And the reason that I say that is because soda and these energy drinks are two of the highly processed foods I was talking about earlier that are designed to make you crave more of them. 
So it's going to be really hard if you're a person that's doing this, that drinks a lot of soda and drinks a lot of these energy drinks, probably it's going to be pretty hard for you to to set it down. So I want you to start out small with that. Uh, Start out small and just think about that one thing. Just cut it back a little bit for a couple of weeks. Over time, slowly, easily easing that particular food choice out of your refrigerator, <laughs> out of your food cupboard. You're going to be moving that away from your, your choice bag. You're not going to just eliminate it because it's going to be really, really hard. So you, unless you can, if you can and you can sustain that, then more power to you. Thumbs up. Good for you. You know, for the rest of us, reduce it and try that for just a couple of weeks. As you make that one change, as time goes on, Probably what's going to happen because we're hard chargers, we're athletes, we're former athletes, and and we don't like to do things a little. We like to really kind of hard charge up that hill. We're taking it, we're storming it right now. We're giving all the things, we're giving all the energy, but we want to make sure this is sustainable. That's a short burst exercise, and we know short bursts last for a short amount of time. If you want to stoke that over a long time like a marathoner, you're going to have to do this slowly. However, you know when you're running too slow, you know when you're moving too slow, And I don't mean that desirous, the ego thing. I'm talking about when you're really sitting there going, I could probably do more. And inside, you're going to get that feeling that says, I can do one more thing. I can do one more thing. And go ahead and add that. Now, if you find that that's too much, then go ahead and drop it back. But a lot of us, a lot of you guys out there, you're going to find, I know this happened with me. I played around with it. I I would do a little too much and I I would move it back a little bit. And find that sweet spot and and work there. But you're probably going to see inside, because those of us that are that are hard chargers, when we make these small adjustments and they prove to feel really small, we tend to up the ante so that we can feel challenged. And that's okay. Go ahead and do that. But make sure that you're not overdoing it. And you'll know. You'll know. Talk to yourself. Be real with yourself. And scale it back just a little bit. And you know what you're going to find out? The next thing you're going to know is that you're going to think about the fact that you're going to wake up one morning going, you know what? That soda wasn't really a big deal. It wasn't a big deal about the soda. It wasn't a big deal about this energy drink. I really didn't need it. And you know what? I think I can swap that soda out or that energy drink out with something that's actually healthy for me that will fuel my body and give me the energy burst I was looking for in a healthier way. I can cut out this one thing or reduce that one thing and use this other thing in its place. Something else that I enjoy that's better for me. And what will happen is you'll build upon that and you'll snowball. And suddenly, once again, slow will be quick. So as you're beginning your program, restarting to get your fitness program back on track, tackling it this way can help you keep your way and keep your way of living fairly intact. So you're not going to make changes that for you are going to be so overwhelming that you stop after a week or two because they're too hard to keep up. Or for some of you, it might be a month or two. The point is, it's not going to be, you're not going to be able to keep them up. You want to start making sure that you're eating in a way and you're consuming foods in a way that when you enjoy eating the foods you love, those foods love your back and your body enjoys the feeling. You want to get to that place. Because if not, you're going to be on this roller coaster of pushing yourself really hard for a couple of weeks or months and then going back to foods that make you feel terrible, that have your skin all crazy and your joints hurting and all the things. So when you make these small choices, 
by just starting out to reduce some of the things that you're consuming and adding in new things on a smaller level, they're going to tend to build themselves up over time and you're going to start to see the results and you're going to wake up one day again and think, I don't eat such and such anymore. Whatever that thing is that you were highly addicted to, that you didn't know how you were ever going to put it down, you're not eating it anymore. And you're going to ask yourself, why was I ever spending money on that stuff? Why was I doing it? I know. I've done it. I've done the same. There are things that I just don't eat anymore, and I wonder why in the heck was I ever eating them? Why? Why was I spending money? But I don't beat myself up too hard because after learning what I've learned, I know that part of that wasn't about just me and my resolve, and it wasn't about just how committed I was. It was about the fact that I was ingesting food that was designed It was designed for me to become addicted to it. And it was designed to make my brain react in a way that would be hard for me to stop eating it. So cut yourself some slack. Be slow in your changes. Be small in your changes because small is big and slow is fast. I I promise you. And you can use the 4D method, detect, disrupt, decide, and do to accomplish all of these small changes we've been talking about today. Detect what your relationship with food and specific food choices truly is. Disrupt the conditioned beliefs that you've been given and maybe even adopted about food, about food cravings, and about your food options. Jerf, just eat real food. Decide decide which small changes to make those few small adjustments that you can make to how you're eating each meal and each day and do it implement those small changes and watch the magic happen i want to thank you i want to thank you so much for joining me today and tuning in to another episode of redefining fitness with sas factor fitness a space where you can reconnect with yourself restore your inner athlete and fulfill your fitness potential after injury illness or other life events had other plans and if this episode resonated with you please comment review and subscribe i appreciate any and all of your feedback and until next time this is sin with sas factor fitness reminding you to mind your matters